0: Today's reading is Psalm 46, it can be found on page 524 of the Bibles next to your seats as well as on the screen. This is God's Word. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks for that uh, introduction, Mark. Uh, I feel like every preacher needs like a hype man to to like build them up. That's pretty awesome. Uh, so please uh, please join me in a word of prayer. God our refuge and strength we come in here and we hear this silence even though we know that outside the world is loud there is noise and chaos there is all sorts of things going wrong that we see every day and sometimes the noise and the chaos is inside as well some of us come in here with Worries and fears and anxieties running around in our heads, lists of things we need to do. We ask for your gift of stillness during this time. We ask for peace and silence that we can hear what it is you want to say to us through your word. Amen. When I was 15 years old, I mowed lawns with my grandpa all summer and saved up the money to buy my first ever electric guitar and I thought it was so cool. It was this like pitch black Epiphone SG and like, I thought I'd be you know, shredding guitar solos and stuff on it. Uh, and what was really cool was the amp that came with it. And on this amp they had this, this knob that could control the distortion, you know, the, the thing that makes guitars sound really gnarly and hardcore. And at the the very lowest setting was the clean setting, where it just sounds like a normal guitar, nothing fancy. And then as you turned it up, the settings got a little more interesting. You would turn it up to the chunky setting, and you would get a little bit of distortion, then up a little bit more to the crunchy setting, and it got a little bit more crazy. And then if you cranked it all the way up, you entered what was called insane mode, (laughs) where it was basically just like this loud, chaotic, static Coming out of the amp, it's every 15-year-old's dream. Uh, In our text today, it sounds to me like somebody found the distortion knob on the world and cranked it all the way up to insane mode. We read about all sorts of loud and chaotic things happening. Uh, The earth is giving way. Mountains are falling into the heart of the sea. The highest points are being brought all the way down to the depths of the lowest points. Mountains are quaking and surging. Waters are roaring and foaming. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms are falling. Everything is in chaos. And really, even though this passage was written thousands of years ago, these words are timeless. They can be read by any person around the world in any time and in any generation. And these words will ring true. You can imagine people reading these words as bombs are dropped over London in World War II. You can imagine black South African citizens reading these words during the tumultuous time of apartheid. You can imagine people reading this in the Middle East as the Arab Spring is going on and the political landscape of the region is going completely out of control. These words describe a world that we are all too familiar with, a world in disarray, whether that's the disorder of geopolitical chaos or just the chaos of an abusive home. The earth moves and shakes in real ways for all of us. The insane mode has been cranked up to 11. And I wanna get very specific for a minute here and talk a little bit about the chaos that's going on at our country's southern border. Because as Mark mentioned a few weeks ago, I got to go down to the border with a group of my seminary classmates and do an intercultural learning immersion experience. Uh, This trip, we, we went down there and we stayed in the city of Agua Prieta, on the Mexican side of the border, which is just across the port of entry from Douglas, Arizona on the American side. And actually the coffee that we have this morning is from a roaster in Agua Prieta. So you're all getting a little taste of the border right now, which is pretty cool. Uh, But while we were down there, we heard dozens of stories of people whose lives and whose communities have been completely thrown out of whack by our country's very chaotic immigration and refugee policies. And there's one story in particular that I think puts these things into perspective for us about what life is like on this thin strip of God's creation that we call the U.S.-Mexico border. It's the story of Dariel and Fernando. The three of us met at a dinner table together in a migrant shelter that provides a warm bed, a roof, and three hot meals a day for people who are waiting their turn to seek entrance into the United States. Thousands of people show up at the border each year, each with a different story. Some seeking to be reunited with family members who are already living in the States. Some are fleeing gang violence in their community or political persecution. Some are just seeking a better life. But the way that our system works right now, over 90% of the people that arrive at the border seeking to enter are turned away. Sometimes they're sent back to the same violent communities where they were trying to escape with their lives. And this is usually after a months or sometimes years long process of filling out paperwork, sending in applications, waiting, filling out more paperwork, waiting and waiting and waiting. And of the hundreds of people that were waiting to apply for entrance in the United States in the the town where we were staying, about four people were allowed through the border each day. And that was on a good day. Some days it was none. So you can imagine just the, the backup of people just trying to find a better way of life. And Dariel and Fernando were two of these people, two of the thousands who are waiting for a chance to enter this country. Fernando was trying to get in to be reunited with his wife, who lives, it turns out, in all places, Grand Rapids, Michigan. My hometown. <laughs> and uh, we, we, when we found that out, I don't speak very good Spanish, and he didn't speak any English, but we were like, no way, like, whoa. We didn't, know, we didn't know how else to say it, but we were just like, whoa, this is crazy. So that's Fernando, and Dariel was just trying to find better work, because both of them began their journey in Cuba. They were economists employed by the Communist Party to monitor the regional grain supplies of the area. And they were being paid $15 a week. That's all that they had to live on. And after years and years of working and working and being paid nearly nothing, they decided to make a break for it. They decided to start things over. Cuba is only 90 miles off the coast from Florida, but The journey by sea is incredibly risky and often fatal, so they decided to take the long way. They got on a plane, flew from Cuba to South America, traversed across all of Brazil, down through Peru, crossed a 10-kilometer minefield in the demilitarized zone between Peru and Chile, got on a plane to Panama, and then took buses, trains, and walked up Central America to Agua Prieta a journey of thousands of miles, and three years is what it took them to try to find a new home, to try to find a better life, to seek refuge from the life that they had been living. And in all likelihood, they are still waiting at this shelter even now, just waiting for their turn, and honestly, the odds do not look great for their chances even though they have family here, and even though they, if a three-year and a 1,000-mile journey doesn't prove that you are somebody uh, who cares and is dedicated and hardworking, I don't know what does. But even with all of that on their resume, the odds do not look good. The tumultuous, earth-shaking scenario that we read about in Psalm 46 is their life. That sounds way too familiar for them. That is the, the chaos that they are living in this moment. And this is only one story. I mean, maybe you've heard other stories of parents and children being separated in detention centers and children being kept in cages at our border. Maybe you've read the stories about how refugee resettlement programs are incredibly underfunded. Meanwhile, our country is spending hundreds of millions of dollars on walls to keep people out. Maybe you've heard these stories and they make you a little bit angry. I know I can feel this way. I can get frustrated and angry. And then when I hear the words in the psalm saying, be still and know that I am God, sometimes my gut reaction is no. I don't want to be still. This isn't right. The world is in chaos, and I want to fight to make it better. I don't want to just sit there. Something needs to be done about all of this. Mountains are, are falling into the heart of the sea. Nations are in uproar. And I want to fight to make it Stop. But if we look a little bit closer at verse 10, where it says, be still and know that I am God, we see that there are a few meanings that emerge from that that can give us comfort and motivation. We need to understand these meanings if we want to really understand what God is calling us as a church, as a community of God's people to do. The first meaning sees these words as a shout. Imagine for a minute a school principal walking into a cafeteria in the midst of a food fight, and the principal shouts, enough. Sometimes it just takes one word for these out of control students to drop their handfuls of mashed potatoes and macaroni and start to clean the mess up. When the rightful authority steps into the scene of chaos, peace returns. That's what the first meaning of this phrase is. Be still is a shout. It's God's command to the chaos. It could literally be translated from Hebrew to mean enough or settle down or even shut up. (laughs) It means to enfold within yourself. It means to go limp. These are the same kinds of words that Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves when he was out at sea with his disciples. When they were far from shore and the storm was tearing their small boat apart The disciples ran and woke Jesus from his sleep and begged him to do something about the chaos raging on around them. So Jesus stretched, got up from his cushion and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the winds and the waves settled down. They went completely calm. When the rightful authority steps into the midst of chaos, things return to peace. These words, be still, are a shout against injustice. I can imagine God breathing out these words as we read in the psalm, as he breaks the bow, like enough, as he shatters the spear, enough. And as he burns the shields with fire, God says enough, enough of this. These are the words that I think we long to hear now in the chaos that we see in our lives and in the lives of the world around us. Dariel and Fernando long to hear God's voice say to the broken immigration system that keeps them separated from their family and from their future, enough. Parents and children who have been separated and kept in cages long to hear God shout, enough, to these detention centers. When our world starts to spin out of control, or maybe in your own life, when the relationships that you've always counted on start to collapse, or when your job security gets thrown out the window, or when you've simply lived with the chaos of an anxiety disorder your entire life, we all long to hear God say the words, enough, be still. We long for God to reestablish peace and harmony. Now you might be asking yourself, why doesn't God just do that right now (laughs) with a snap of his fingers? Why doesn't God just hurry up and stop all the injustice and the pain and the chaos that we see? And if you find yourself asking that question, well, then the second meaning of be still is for you. Because the second meaning of be still is a whispered word of comfort. Now imagine a parent holding their child, whispering, shh, be still. Everything is going to be okay when this child is crying. Instead of commanding the outer chaos to be still, the second meaning is a soothing balm to the inner chaos that's going on inside of all of us. God says, be still to our worry that injustice will go on unchecked forever. God whispers, be still, to our fear that the chaos will never end. And let's face it, many of our fears boil down to the fact that we're afraid our needs and our necessities won't be met, that we won't be taken care of. We are afraid that we won't be able to control the chaos going on around outside of us or the chaos storming inside of us and that nobody else will be able to rein in this disorder either. This brings up fears that eventually everything that we know and love and care about is going to break down, whether that's relationships or mental and physical health or financial security or family or you name it. These are the things that we fear that it's going to lose control and there's nothing we can do about it. The New Testament scholar, Kenneth Bailey, wrote about the worries and anxieties of a church living in an anxious secular age. And I think his words offer us some wisdom about how we can view God in the midst of chaos, in the midst of worry, in the midst of fear that everything we love and hold dear is going to disappear. He writes, the church living under the authority of scripture is not a snowman in grave danger of melting away because of the burning rays of a hot secular sun that is beating down upon it. No, the church is the flock of God, saved by the divine shepherd who safely leads his sheep through angry waters to quiet inlets, where the sheep can drink and be renewed to go in and out as they live their lives and fulfill their ministries, having received amazing grace, which is sufficient enough to overcome many dangers, toils, and snares. To quote the psalm exactly, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He is inviting us to be still and remember that he is the one in control. He is the one who will look after you and take care of you. Even when it looks like everything that was once solid and reliable turns to quicksand beneath your feet, he is your refuge and strength. God promises to be your ever-present help in trouble. And we need to hold both of these meanings together to really understand what this psalm is saying. We need to hold in one hand God's shout, which silences an outer world of chaos, his shout of enough, and in the other, we hold God's quiet words of comfort that still our inner anxieties. Because only when we realize that God is establishing outer peace and stillness through his kingdom, can we ever have true inner peace and stillness. And how is God doing this? How is God overcoming the chaos that we see around us? Well, the gospel tells us exactly how. The God of Psalm 46 chose to enter into the chaos in order to still it. And he entered in in the form of a baby, Jesus, who would grow up and heal the sick, who would welcome the poor, give sight to the blind, give shelter to refugees and forgive all wrongs. He calmed the literal storms and figurative ones. And he inaugurated his perfect and peaceful kingdom in the most unlikely way possible by taking the worst chaos that you could ever imagine and putting it on himself. In the last 24 hours before his death, Jesus saw his closest friends panic and turn and abandon him. He saw the anarchy of a mob shouting crucify him. He felt the turmoil and pain of nails being punched through his hands and feet, fixing him to a cross. And the Gospel of Matthew tells us that at the moment of his death, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, the earth shook and the rocks split open. It sounds very familiar to what we read in Psalm 46. The world was in chaos, and Christ took it on himself. And three days after all of this discord and disorder, we see that Christ rose from the dead, saying, Enough, be still to death itself. This is where God's kingdom of peace started to take shape in the world of disarray, and like a slowly growing garden. This kingdom continues springing up wherever you see real peace and justice taking shape in the world. And the thing, <laughs> the cool thing is that we actually get to be involved. When God says to us, be still, it doesn't mean don't do anything about the chaos and injustice you see around you. It means that we don't need to do anything from a place of worry or anxiety. We're still invited to get along, but not from this sense of fear that if we don't, the world is going to collapse because it's up to us to control the chaos. We get to enter in from a place of spectators. We get to dive into the mess and see God stilling the world up close and personal. We can do this and we can watch this happen when we look for God's peace and justice breaking in. We can see it in churches that step up to help immigrants and refugees where unjust laws make it illegal to even offer water to somebody traversing the desert who is dying of thirst. When you see somebody offering a glass of cool water to someone in the desert, there is the kingdom of God. When you see people calling out for peace in our country when it looks like things are heading towards war, there you see the kingdom of God breaking in. It can be in small things too. (laughs) Let's say you had a uh, A rough week and your friend shows up at the door with your favorite coffee and a DVD from Redbox. There's the kingdom of God. God's rest in a real way. When families go into therapy together to address the underlying issues that have plagued them for years or even generations, there you see a small glimpse of God's kingdom becoming real in our world. Something that is stilling the chaos that we see around us. Each of these are building blocks that will one day become uh, come together as the city of God mentioned in Psalm 46. And I think it's, it's really interesting that the psalmist writes, there is a river whose streams will make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Because usually when the Old Testament is referring to the city of God, it's talking about Zion, about Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is about 20 miles away from any river. There is no river that flows through Jerusalem through the city of God. So what is he talking about? Well, there is one other place in the Bible where it talks about the city of God, and it talks about a river flowing through the city. And that's in the vision of God's kingdom that we get in Revelation 21 and 22. And I'll read what it says here. It says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful bride dressed for her husband, on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. This is the city of God. This is God's kingdom. This is what we look forward to. This is the end result of God's words and commands to be still to the chaos. The city of God has a river flowing through it, not a tumultuous or dangerous river, but a flowing stream that gives life, a calm river that gently washes away the mess of our chaotic world and gives a cool and refreshing drink to soothe away our inner anxieties for good. The city of God has a tree of life with leaves that are for the healing of the nations. The same nations which were previously in uproar and the kingdoms which rose and fell. Nations like our nation. I can imagine these healing leaves taking away the scars left in the earth by the walls and the barbed wire fence that we have put up. And the gates to this city will never close to those seeking to belong to God's family. Dariel and Fernando will never be turned away from these ports of entry. No man or woman or child will ever be shut out or barred from entering these gates because Jesus Christ, our Lord, paid with his life to keep them open and open for all. In this city, there will be no chaos. Every living being will be at peace. All will be still and know who God is. And he will be exalted among the nations and he will be exalted in the earth. I just pray. God, we long for your kingdom to come. Because right now we look out and we see a lot of chaos. We see a lot of noise. We see a lot of tumultuous destruction. We see the pain of families who are separated, the pain of people who have struggled and strived for a better future being taken advantage of and shut away. We ask for your stillness to come into this world and to come into our hearts. And we ask for your Holy Spirit to move us to join in the work that you are doing, the kingdom-building work that sees peace, that sees welcome. God, we long for the song that we sung today to be sung in your city. It says, welcome home. All you refugees, come in. May that be a reality, Lord. Amen.